0: And Welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some readers might find offensive or unsettling, the North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. I'm your host, Kayla, the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners happy new years today i'm going to be reading from amari and the curse of el cocodrilo by adriana cuevas this author is a first generation cuban american who runs on pastelitos sarcasm and bts she won the pura Belpré honor winning for the total eclipse of nestor lopez in 2021 and the book we're reading today is a middle grade 2023 book And here's the summary. If Mari Fejo could, she would turn her family's peak cubanity down a notch. Just enough so that her snoopy neighbor and classmate, Mackenzie, wouldn't have anything to tease her about. That's why this year, there's no way that Mari's joining in on one of the biggest Fejo family traditions, burning the New Year's Eve effigy her abuela makes. Only Mari never suspects that failing to toss her effigy in the fire would bring something much worse than sneering words at school, a curse of bad luck from El Cocodrilo. At first, it's just possessed violins and grade sabotaging pencils. But once El Cocodrilo learns that he becomes more powerful with each new misery, her luck goes from bad to nightmarish as the curse begins to spread. Now, Mari, along with her friends Keisha and Juan Carlos, is racing against the clock to break the curse. But when Mari discovers her family's gift to call upon their ancestors, she and her friends will have to find a way to work with the unexpected help that arrives from the far corners of Mari's family tree. Only, will it be enough to defeat El Cocodrilo before he makes her last year of elementary school the worst ever? Ooh, so that's the summary. This is a fantasy with some elements of adventure, humor, and horror. And it mixes the Cuban culture and traditions with magic and some themes of belonging. And also, as we are celebrating our New Year celebration, there's an author note in the back that talks about how she celebrates the Cuban New Year. And it explains that and it gives you a good look into what that is. There are... No content warnings for this book, so let's get started. Chapter one, there's no such thing as luck. There's just well-equipped teammates making sure a ravenous zombie doesn't chew on your brain matter for breakfast. The New Year's Eve fireworks whistling and popping outside drown out the lasers and explosions from the game I'm playing on the computer in Poppy's office. We have to activate the electric fences if we want to defeat the final zombie horde, my friend Keisha says in my headphones. Her voice crackles, and I adjust my earbuds. I ignore her advice and click on my character, enabling a chainsaw attached to a shovel that I earned. My computer screen lights up with post-apocalyptic girl in dusty combat boots, a bright red scar snaking down her cheek. She runs at a small group of zombies, their bony arms reaching for her as she slices off the top half of their skulls with the chainsaw. Keisha, Juan Carlos, and I have been trying to beat the final boss in our favorite game, Brain Basher 3, The Munching, since we all got it for Christmas last week. The first levels were simple. We fought other bands of survivors, worked together to create laser fences and gathered weapons, ammunition, and vehicles but the final boss of the game is a lot harder. A massive stampede of zombies who come out of nowhere and rip you to shreds. We keep dying in a pile of bloody limbs. Juan Carlos pops into our Discord chat. Wouldn't it be better to dig a pit and fill it with firebombs? Juan Carlos's character, who has long flowy braids, swings her barbed wire bat at a zombie stumbling toward her and smashes its brains across the screen. She stands on top of the zombie's body and I hear Juan Carlos laugh through my headphones. His character has the most kills of any of us. Another firework whizzes outside before exploding, the high-pitched whistle and bang celebrating our near victory. Oye, mi cielo, tengo algo que regalarte. Abuelita taps on the door frame behind me before shuffling further down the hall in her house slippers. We are so close. The meter on the final boss zombie horde is practically to zero. Soon it'll explode in a cloud of brain bits and blood. Almost done. Be right there. I call to Abuelita as my leg bounces in Poppy's office chair. I have no idea what she has for me, but I don't think it can top beating the final boss. You gotta go? Juan Carlos asks. We're pretty much one, (sighs) I sigh. Yeah, my abuelita wants to give me something before they do their effigy thing. That's the one where you throw those dolls into a fire to burn up bad luck, right? Keisha asks. Her army sergeant character jumps on top of a burning truck and fires her grenade launcher at the stampeding zombies, her long ponytail flying behind her. Yep. Every year. Abuelita raided Poppy's old clothes this time around to sew the dolls. At least I won't be embarrassed by all his super loud floral shirts anymore. Or he'll just use it as an excuse to buy new ones, Juan Carlos says. Through my headphones, I can hear the fireworks exploding outside his apartment. Probably. A clattering sound comes from the kitchen as Mommy sets out our usual New Year's Eve treats of quesitos, pastelitos de guayaba, and empanadas de picadillo to have after midnight. My mouth starts to water as I think about sweet cream cheese and slices of guava paste wrapped in pastry crust and mini pies filled with spiced ground beef. I don't really care about the dolls, I say, as long as Makosa Mackenzie doesn't see from next door, my apolitos can dance around the backyard with sparklers sticking out of their ears. The breeze from the ceiling fan slithers down the back of my Houston Arrows hoodie, and I shiver. You better hope she never finds out that you call her Booger Mackenzie. Is she still officially the worst person in sixth grade? Keisha asks. She's leveled up. She took a video of Apolito and Papi in the backyard digging the hole for our Lechon on Nochebuena and posted it on Snapchat. She said they were burying a body. That's ridiculous, Juan Carlos says. Lechon is the best. You don't disrespect it. Not on Christmas Eve, or Tuesdays, or ever. Yeah, tell her that. I clicked the computer mouse harder than necessary to release a razor net onto three zombies who are about to rip my arms out of their sockets. Lechon is my favorite thing to eat. Abuelito likes to make it the traditional Cuban way, putting a whole butchered pig in a hole dug in our backyard that's lined with banana leaves and topped with hot coals. It's a lot of work, but the lechon always turns out delicious, crispy skin on the outside and juicy meat on the inside. Of course, all Makosa Mackenzie sees is Abuelito and Papi burying a skinned pig. I love lechon, but sometimes I wonder if it'd be easier to just grill burgers like everyone else. Oye, no comas los pastelitos antes de medianoche, mommy shouts, loud enough for the entire neighborhood to hear, and I groan, figuring that Poppy got caught trying to sneak some treats before midnight. Maybe. If my family wasn't always throwing their cubanity out into the world for everyone to see, Mackenzie wouldn't scramble like a stumbling zombie to make fun of me at every chance. But it's no use trying to hide from her on New Year's Eve. It's always when we reach peak cubanity. Abuelita grunted and groaned when she lugged a suitcase around the block because she wanted to travel this year. She said that Abuelito always promised to take her to Miami and hauling her luggage down the sidewalk guarantees that her wish will come true. I hide in my room praying that none of the neighbors peered out the window and saw her with her huge purple bag dragging behind her. Mommy swept and mopped our whole house except my room because she says it's a biohazard. The bucket of dirty water sits by the front door so she can throw it out at midnight along with all the bad luck from last year that's supposedly mixed in with the water. I can only hope Mackenzie walks by just at that moment and gets doused. At least we won't be eating 12 grapes at midnight as fast as we can. When I almost choked last year, Poppy had to do the Heimlich maneuver on me and everything. I shot a green grape straight out of my throat and into the eye of my sister, Lisette. Maybe something that's supposed to bring you good luck shouldn't also try to kill you. Just a thought. Mari, vamos! I hear Abuelita call from her room. I groan again. Y'all have to beat the zombie horde on your own, I tell my friends. Abuelita will make me mop the whole house twelve times if I don't go now. Clicking off Brain Basher 3, I head out of Papi's office and down the hall to Abuelita's bedroom. I find her sitting on her bed, her Bible on her lap. Settling next to her, I watch her trace her fingers over the names of the family tree she's written on the first page. Names like Fontina, Ladeslo, and Baldomero stare back at me. I've never met any of these people, and Abuelita doesn't talk about them. Ay, mi cielo, tengo un regalito para el año nuevo, Abuelita says. Placing the Bible back on her nightstand, she opens a drawer and pulls out a small book. She hands it to me and smiles, the wrinkles on her face deepening. It's a diary. The blank pages stare at me. I have no idea how I'm supposed to fill them. Para Para apuntar tus memorias, cada persona en nuestra familia recibe un diario a los doce años, y ahora a ti toca. Hay cosas que no debemos olvidar, Abuelita says, wrapping her hand over mine as I hold the diary. I'd completely forgotten about the tradition my abuelito started with papi, giving a diary to each family member on their 12th birthday. Keisha, Juan Carlos, and I had peeked at Lisette's diary after she turned 12, and it was basically a list of what she decided to wear each day. We were too bored to ever sneak a look again. I don't know how good writing down my memories will be if I can't read my own handwriting, I chuckle, and I'm in middle school. There's plenty of things I'd like to forget, like Makosa McKenzie and her vomit-inducing Snapchats. Abuelita reaches out and takes my hand. No, mi cielo, nuestra familia, todo lo que paso con nuestros hay que recordarlo. Her voice catches in her throat. I don't know why she's talking about our family history. She may say we should remember it, but she never talks about it. Abuelita shakes her head as if flinging thoughts too troublesome to hold. She pulls something else out of the drawer, and my stomach drops. It's a small stuffed doll sewn from a shirt Poppy wore every day when we were on vacation in Padre Island. Abuelita hands me the doll, and I grip the soft peach floral fabric. Con esto ya tienes las dos cosas más importantes de la noche en tus manos. Así honramos a nuestra familia, she says. Abuelita wants me to throw the doll in the fire at midnight, getting rid of all the bad luck from last year. But even though she says this honors our family, how much bad luck will I get if Mackenzie sees me doing this? Do I really have to? I whisper, but Abuelita calls from the kitchen. Amores, todo listo. I sigh and tuck the doll under my arm, slipping the diary into the front pocket of my hoodie. Abuelita and I make our way down the hall, through the kitchen and to our backyard. Everyone's already gathered at the fire pit, standing around the flames like they're going to hold hands and summon a demon. The cool grass tickles my bare feet. I glance up at Makosa Mackenzie's house, hoping she doesn't celebrate New Year's Eve, or that she went to bed early, or that she accidentally ate her weight in cream soup casserole and slipped into a food coma. The air in the backyard is thick, more than the usual humidity in Port Bali, and it smells burnt from all the fireworks people have set off. Light gray clouds of smoke drift through the sky, ghosts looking down on the grass. A breeze moves through the yard, playing with the leaves on Apolito and abuelita's mango and avocado trees. Except for one mango tree in the corner. Its branches hang still, not moving from the wind. I squint at the tree and push my glasses up the bridge of my nose. Todos tienen su muñequita? Abuelita interrupts my concentration as she passes everyone else a small fabric doll that she's sewn. Lisette waves her doll in the air and nods. I clutch my doll close to my chest, burying it in the wide sleeves of my hoodie. One more minute, Mommy shouts, making her doll dance in front of the fire. The shadow the effigy casts on the grass is eerily alive. I want to tell Mommy to keep her voice down so she doesn't wake up Makosa Mackenzie. I glance at the upstairs window next door. But it's still dark. Black shadows stretch from the fire and slither slowly across the yard like snakes. I take a step closer to Lisette. The dark lines weave in and out of the blades of grass as the fire flickers. The flames reach from the pit, growing closer to the doll in my arms, heat pulsing on my skin. But there's no way they're really trying to touch me. That would be ridiculous. Oye, todos listos. Abolito says, grabbing Abolito's hand. Bobby smiles, the fire reflecting a bright orange glow in his glasses. We're ready, he says. Abolito lifts his faded plaid doll in the air, the shadow behind him a giant monster stomping across our lawn. I squint as the dark figure detaches from the effigy, stretching toward me. I scuff my feet in the dirt as my stomach rumbles, but it's not because I'm hungry. It's more from a feeling I can't quite place, something churning in my gut like a storm in the Gulf, because no matter how many times I blink, no matter how thoroughly I wipe my glasses on my hoodie, the shadows are still there, reaching out. Abuelito clears his throat and counts down. Diez, nueve, ocho, siete, seis, cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Vete para la porra, mala suerte. He tosses his doll into the flames and we stare as the fire licks at the fabric, the individual flowers brightening and then turning black as they burn. He squeezes Abuelita's hand as she cries, adios mala suerte, and flings her effigy into the fire. It crackles in the flames as the smoke rises above the roof of our house and swirls toward Mackenzie's window. Abuelita leans her head on Abuelito's shoulder. She takes a deep breath as small tears form in the corners of her eyes, sparkling in the firelight. New Year's Eve is supposed to be exciting, with loud fireworks and tasty food, but some years Avalita looks sad as she watches the fire. I sniff and pick at a loose thread on my effigy. The air smells like rotten fruit, which is odd because Avalita is obsessive about picking up any mangoes or avocados that fall in the yard, and the smell is different like when mommy kept strawberries in the fridge too long and they started to get fuzzy the fire calms after devouring the effigies the shadows resting in the grass i take a deep breath but cough on the acidic smell in the air three large fireworks whiz through the air and explode above us in a rainbow of colors the yard lights up in a white glow i jump and almost drop the effigy papi and mommy both shout see a bad luck and along with lisette toss their dolls in the fire I winced at the shouts. were so loud. Glancing at Mackenzie's window, I noticed the striped blue curtains moving, and I clenched my fist around the arm of the effigy. My stomach flip-flops as the breeze swirling through the yard inches up my back and curls through my hair. I spot Mackenzie silhouetted in the pale light coming from her bedroom. My throat tightens. Her face is just another shadow, but I can picture the smirk plastered across her thin mouth. Niña, ay que ma la muñeca Abuelita says, gesturing for me to throw my doll in the fire. Lokita, Lisa says, her shadow stretching tight across the yard like a creeping ghoul. We can't eat until you toss your doll in. Let's go. A flame erupts from the fire and licks the grass as the smoke descends on my shoulders, making me cough. Papier joins in. Come on, kiddo. You know it's tradition. Don't be rude. My eyes stay glued on the window. I see Mackenzie's phone in her hand, aimed at my backyard. I'm not letting her record this super Cuban ritual and spread it all over school like I'm some island weirdo. I shake my head and turn away from the flickering flames, reaching out for the doll in my arms. A fresh burst of sour smell erupts in the yard and hits my nose. I gasp as my throat closes. Suddenly, the wriggling shadows in the grass all straighten and start slithering wildly toward me. The fire crackles and pops, sending sparks into the air. They sail up, and the wind shoots them in my direction, while a high-pitched howl swirls in my ears. Before I can spot the source of the sound, my feet catch under me and I tumble to the ground. Something tugs on my ankle as I try to get back up. Clawing at the grass, I dig my elbows in the dirt, trying to stand. Mi cielo, estás bien? Abuelita asks as she watches me writhe in the grass like I'm possessed. I barely hear her, my heartbeat thundering loudly in my ears as I wonder what in the world is happening. I feel the pole on my foot again, like fingers digging into my skin. My ankle is going to snap. I, I don't know, I stammer, but I can't get any more words out. The flames in the fire pit inch closer to my leg and a sharp heat licks my bare heel. I look across the yard and spot the mango tree that was so strangely still earlier. Its leaves are flailing, as if something invisible is shaking the trunk. A series of fireworks burst in the sky, sounding like breaking bones. Oh my god, Lokita, what are you doing? Lisette asks, rolling her eyes. She grabs my arm and yanks me up, away from the fire. I look back at the pit, and the flames grow longer, fiery fingers grasping for me. I'm not sure, I say, sweat dripping down my forehead as my stomach churns in confusion. I tripped. I can't tell them about the invisible pole on my foot or the shadows reaching for me. There's no way they would believe me. I don't even believe me. I scan the yard. Abolito is obsessed with keeping it in perfect condition and I don't see any rocks or roots that might've made me fall. You okay there, kiddo? Poppy asks, patting me on the back. I don't even want to turn and see Makosa Mackenzie's window. I don't want to know if she caught my ridiculous performance on her phone. I squint as the shadows cast by my abuelito's legs break off and slither through the yard toward me, long black fingers moving slowly between the blades of grass, reaching to wrap around my ankles. Do you see that? I ask, holding out a shaking finger at the moving shapes in the yard. Papi shrugs and shakes his head. What are you talking about there, kiddo? Do we need to make an eye appointment for you? Mommy asks. I shake my head and rub my eyes under my glasses. I'm going inside, I grumble. I've been playing Brain Basher Three too much. It's making me see things and feel them too. That has to be it. The cold breeze from our yard follows me into the house, climbing up the back of my hoodie and blowing on my neck, making me shiver. I pass the kitchen table, piled high with quesitos, pastelitos, and empanadas, but my stomach rolls and acid rises in my throat When I get to my room, I pull the effigy from my hoodie and throw it on my bed. The diary Abuelita gave me tumbles out of my pocket too and lands on my foot, the hard spine stinging my toes. I just want this stupid holiday to be over. This has never happened before. We toss the effigies into the fire and eat. No creepy shadows, no out of control fire, no invisible force grabbing me and knocking me to the ground. I don't know what makes this year different or how I could have imagined all that, even if it's the only explanation I got. I punch my pillow and flop onto my bed. I'm certain Mackenzie will post the video she took of me so everyone will see it before we go back to school after winter break. All because my family insists on parading our Cubanity around all the time. More fireworks explode outside, high-pitched screams flying through the air. As I look at the effigy upside down next to my pillow, One of the flowers in the fabric stretches across the head the petals sharpening into a toothy grin i narrow my eyes and poke the effigy in its stuffed belly with my finger the moment i touch the fabric a sharp pain erupts on my forearm i push the sleeve of my hoodie up as a thick black splotch grows across my skin i slap my arm trying to brush it off but nothing happens The mark keeps growing, looking like the shadows that crept out from the fire. I start to yell for help, but my throat closes up. The sickening, sweet smell from the backyard flooding my nostrils again. My breath catches in my throat as I flex my fingers. I squint at my forearm and the dark mark stomping across my skin like a crocodile. My heart beats in my ears and I shake my head. I know my super Cuban family. I know my stupid neighbor, but I have no idea what this is. And that's the end of chapter one. Gosh, what do you think is going to happen next? Will she learn to accept her family heritage? Will things be resolved with Mackenzie and that whole relationship? What do you think will happen with the shadows and the crocodile mark? I hope you found this chapter intriguing enough to check out. If not, there's always another book just waiting to be discovered. You can check this book out in the library as a physical copy. Let me know if you need any library card help. We're always happy to help. Please check the show notes from some read-alikes. I have a lot of other Cuban-American books and some New Year's books. And thank you for listening. Join me next time for another Next Reads.